I'm Matt McAllister. I'm the Managing Director of Intelligence Squared, a live event and podcast company. And I'm going to be talking about how live events are the future and how a live events company can also be a powerful media company. Hello, and welcome to the Meaningful Business Podcast. I'm Peter Stianovich, Deputy Editor at Hot Topics and your host. Together, we're finding out how businesses and their leaders champion purpose, people and planet alongside profits, and in the process, how to define and lead a meaningful business. Today's guest, who you've just heard, is Matt McAllister, the former Editor-in-Chief of Newsweek and now Managing Director of Intelligence Squared. In simple terms, Intelligence Squared hosts and curates debates, but its aim is bold to establish itself as a world-leading platform for live, topical debates featuring well-known names and faces across the celebrity, academic and political sphere. And it's well on its way to achieving that. It hosts over 45 debates a year across 11 countries and has over half a million players and downloads a month, not counting its live audiences. Past speakers include Malala Yousafzai, James Comey, Kate Winslet, Charles Sandberg, Jonathan Dimbleby, Helena Bonham Carter, Mary Beard, Actors, politicians, experts and journalists alike stand on stage and argue for or against motions covering a wide range of themes. Think the value of blockchain, the state of China, the rise of populism, even topics like the architecture of the universe. There truly is a debate for everyone. And when I caught up with Matt, we discussed what it's like to create such a product, but also why debates themselves and the art of argumentation is such a necessary tool for society and businesses alike right now. Thank you very much for joining me on this uh, episode today. Um, I asked this of every guest for their starter for 10, um, but could you please describe Intelligence Squared for those listeners who've never heard of you? Yeah, sure. Intelligence Squared is a London-based company. It's 15 years old. And fundamentally, we're a live events company, but we're also a media company. We have a very successful podcast. We do bespoke private events for corporate clients. And we also have a training part of the business where the very best public speakers and speechwriters um, give very tailored classes uh, at some expense to to our customers and our attendees. You're most well known, though, for your public debates, and they cover a vast array of topics. You know, the, the West should cut ties with Saudi Arabia, Brexit, friend or foe. The list goes on. Why, why don't we start by how those debates are created and um, why they're so important? Yeah, I mean, I think the debate, I mean, especially at this point in history uh, where there is such dispute in the public realm over what is a fact and what isn't a fact um, in ways that we've never seen before in the last two years in particular have seen that, um, that there's a real need for trustworthy honest, civilized, uh, pretty smart, high-level discussion about the key issues of our day. So that's what we do, and we find the best people who can kick these ideas around on stage, um, you know, interrogate each other, you know, rigorously, but with civility. And, um, And so we're always on the lookout for these conversations that are happening or that are bubbling up in the broader conversation in the pub, you know, general public. Um, and then we distill them. And in our 
endless sort of staff meetings that are really rigorous. We really kick these around and not everything lends itself to a debate or a, or a, or a public discussion. Sometimes, um, you know, we think something is going to work and then it doesn't really work. Or we think that um, we've got the right speakers, but actually we think about them a bit more and we research them more and, and it doesn't work. So what you get when we actually put things on stage are things that are incredibly finely honed and um, and crafted. And then we unleash them. And then we're, you know, even though we, we talk to and brief the speakers you know, very, very carefully beforehand, it's that magic of, in a way, it's like theater. You're never quite sure. It's more like improvisational comedy. You know, what, what are you going to get? And that's the joy of conversation. Absolutely, and you're right, debate is a form of theatre, um, as we all know, and, and as we see um, across social media, um, especially with particular organisations. I mean, it sounds like you're sort of positioning yourself as um, the measured part of the online debating world, where, where we can actually have that critique in, in, a, civil, in a civil way. Um, as we disseminate that information then, what have you guys learned? I mean, have you taken those learnings from the debates and applied it into other parts of the business? Or is there a way for, for everyone to, to understand what these debates are, are forming and, and how they're informing us? I think the, the breadth and the scale part of what Intelligence Squared does comes primarily through the fact that we record these and then put them out as a podcast and we're getting over half a million listens a month. And so, and sort of 40% of those are in the States. And, and um, so we are reaching an audience that goes way beyond the thousands of people that we reach in person in London each year. Um, and, and that's very powerful. And it shows that, there's a real hunger out there for for this kind of civilized debate, and you're right. It is a it is a very different thing from the angry conversations that happen online. Mob like, mob like, and it's extraordinary what happens when you put human beings like actually in front of each other. They are generally way better behaved and more 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 respectful, and they listen better, and and you can see each other's eyes and there's humanity there and so um key parts of our events is we always have the audience ask questions for about half an hour at the end and that quality of those questions is so wonderful and and impressive um and so and i think that shows that if you allow people to have conversations or encourage people to have conversations in a in a civilized way that you can really make kind of progress. And I think that I love after events kind of, you know, overhearing people in the subway, in the tube in London. You can hear people talking about them and, and that's fun. Yeah, it generates a conversation long after the debate has been held. And I think that's important because it often, I suppose, raises more questions than it answers sometimes. Do you, um, not necessarily worry, but is it on the agenda to sort of widen the scope of the audience? Do you find that there's only a particular kind of person that would spend their evening um, attending probably quite an erudite debate? Um, you know, these aren't uh, particularly simple um, conversations to be had. And, you know, what's the strategy for widening um, the scope of the intelligence we're gathering? Yeah, I, we think about this an awful lot. Um, and I think that some topics and motions 
lend themselves to you know incredibly broad audience. So unsurprisingly, we do quite a lot of events these days on Brexit. Um, and generally, you know, we have no problem, um, you know, rapidly selling those um, because they are not, you know, conversations that, that only the elite are, happen- are having. They're happening all over the country all the time, every day. Um, so, um, but we're really cognizant that um, we, you know, we're really conscious of trying to reach diverse audiences um so we had a, an event on saudi arabia just this week and um it, the the audience was probably the most diverse we've ever had demographically and that was incredibly encouraging and i, I think that it, it, it matters to me like a great deal that we're not just um in an echo chamber there are a sufficient number of echo chambers on online we no no desire to sort of replicate that in the real world. Yeah, and of course, you know, high diversity allows for more nuanced debate, which I'm sure is is the reason for Intelligence Squared in the first place. Looking forward, do you, how do you envision IS evolving? Um, you know, we're increasingly desperate, I think, um, for more of these um, debate-like situations where we can actually assess, have information assessed for us and then slowly and measurely, um, you know, extract what we want from them. I mean, what, what's next? You know, how can we move forward? I think that um, there's actually a limited number of topics that lend themselves to, you know, really serious, big picture debates. And, and in a way, right now, you know, so much of politics and culture has been and society has been dominated by two stories, Donald Trump and Brexit. And um, a lot of foreign affairs stuff has been pushed to the side. But I'm not keen for us to flood the zone with, you know, another 20 or 30 events um, that get too micro and too, too narrow cast. I think that we need to keep them broad. What I am keen on is finding bigger and bigger audiences for those online, for those um, for those debates, and and having them appeal. We have overseas franchises um, in New York and elsewhere, and they put on debates as well. So, in in you know again in the real world, um, those you know that's a, an expansion that has really spread our, our our well, I would say our brand, but also just kind of the way of doing things and having these great open debate and some of the draw is also you know as you said earlier that the people that you have debating i mean they're not nobodies you've had uh, president jimmy carter you've had mary beard eric schmidt uh marina abramovich i think uh jermaine greer you know these are high profile names and people can see them in the flesh and actually understand what they're thinking and, and how they view a particular debate i mean who's been your um you know your favorite uh speaker so far I'm not going to choose favourites. That's like the guaranteed (laughs) way to make everyone else not agree to to come back. Um, They're all brilliant. Um, But but I I think that, you know, you're right. And I think it's one of the... We're actually doing another Brexit event. And and, um, the the power of the speakers is great. And what we... We're breaking our format. We've got various formats. But this one, we're doing a whole new one. And we're just doing a a town hall style debate where we sense that people in the UK want to 
be heard and want to speak. They're like a little bit less keen on being spoken to at this point about Brexit. Um, and so, so we are not having opening speeches. We are not having the 10 minute, you know, standing there. I'm, I'm the um, Labour or Conservative MP speaking on, you know, in behalf of my party. And this is what I think. No, we're not doing that. We're going straight to questions in much more, you know, the, the, in, in the US, they're called town hall meetings and all politicians do them. They just go straight into questions. And I think that that's going to um, give people that direct access to decision makers and give them you know, not just the ability to, to be annoyed, which a lot of people are about Brexit right now, but to, to voice their ideas. Um, going back to something you mentioned earlier about working specifically with within organisations, what how does that work, and, and why would an organisation ask Intelligence Squared uh, to come in, um, and what trends are you seeing in terms of organisations trying to be more, um, yeah, I guess meaningful um, w- with the, the nature of conversation? Yeah, I think that it, it's sort of two things. There's the internal facing, more client facing, bespoke. Um, event that we do and so we um, do events that essentially take the magic of what you see on stage and public and bring them in-house so it's closed door invitation only and it allows clients whether they're financial institutions or or brands um, other sorts of brands to to host a a, a serious rigorous conversation um, that that speaks to the interests of their clients or would be would be clients, um, and I think there's great strength that companies and organisations find by um, providing like really high level conversation for their clients, but also coming over as honest brokers. You know, not trying to paper over the challenges that that certain sectors face or that specific businesses face. Um, but being brave enough to, to talk about that. And, and, you know, it's the brilliance of entertaining and educating at the same time. I mean, no one at, you know, 6.30 in the evening on a weekday wants to go to a sort of beautiful, boring panel and, and sort of be preached to, but they, they want to be kind of entertained because they could be at the theater or they could be at home with their kids. Um, and so we're able to make these very on-message um, uh, events kind of entertaining as well and the brand the the debate format really works for that and then and then very briefly the other one is is we can do this in in public for for brands and we've done that often and that is generally because they want to um you know address a brand concern um and again look strong enough to have these Difficult, sometimes difficult, and sometimes just fascinating. Yes, you're right. That transparency—it's that transparency, isn't it? And it, it seems like there's a sort of a trend for organisations to sort of own their purpose and, and be more forthcoming with what that purpose is. I mean, is that something you, you've seen? I, I think that's absolutely right, and it's also a format thing because it's—it's it's magical to be at a live event. I mean, if it's good, you really are talking about it for two days, and then the 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 clever thing is that it's sort of two for one because you're recording it. And so uh, it's a video asset and an audio asset that you can slice and dice, you know, use the whole thing, use highlight clips and send that around internally. If it's an internal messaging 
um, goal that you're trying to meet or externally as a sort of marketing or to clients. And um, so we, we do all that as well. So it's sort of, it's like, and, and, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, it's interesting. I'm, I'm just sort of worried, you know, balancing that with the organic nature of the debate you, you, you mentioned earlier about how things have a magic um, when a guest speaker starts talking. But clearly there's always going to be a fine line or grey area at least between you know, a controversial statement um, and something that you know, could actually border on extremism. So, I mean, how do you monitor, if monitor is the correct word, um, uh, a debate such as these within a public space or you know, even within a private institution? Yeah, I mean, I, I, like any um, publisher, really, and uh, um, you know, and I come from the publishing world and journalism world. You, you are not under any obligation to 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 allow hate speech or um, you know, extremism of uh, distasteful extremism on your stage. It's like it's our stage. We can frankly put whoever we want there, and that goes for. The, the public space and, and obviously the private space for clients. Um, so there is a degree of control there. And um, I think what what we want is like intelligent, civilized, enlightening debate, not, you know, painful, emotionally, like traumatizing, damaging debate and um there is plenty of that elsewhere in the world and and it's very accessible to anyone who wants it um you know we're we're not really interested in that in adding to that giant pile interesting i mean because obviously there is a narrative around the notion of safe spaces now both physical and online and, and how one should go about either promoting a safe space for as you say intelligent erudite debate or actually is it just enabling um, some views which are nowadays distasteful um, to bloom um, um, which actually makes the whole intelligence squared um, process very interesting because you're not uh, pretending um, that you're going to be shielding people from any um, distasteful views but nor are you saying that you're going to give them a platform it's 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 yeah. As long as the people have the right argument in place, yeah, and and, the, and the, to back up their points, that's the important part. Which I think what people aren't really getting right now, you know, what with the you know shorter tweets and and you know shorter characters and, and you know online interactions, that where you miss that um, notion that yeah. people can I have mean, opinions. This, this is not new, though. I mean, organisations like ours and newspapers and magazines have forever made decisions like these. It's just editorial decisions. It's what, what you do and what you don't do. And you're always making these decisions. There is plenty of impassioned, frequently angry um, debate, even, as I say, at the, our Saudi event um, this week. Oh, my word. You know, the people were interrupting each other and getting very impassioned. So there's no, there's no shortage of that. It's not all sort of, you know chit chat and sort of after you after you no after you it's not oh my word it's not like that but there is nothing particularly interesting or intelligent about bigotry or or you know prejudice or just i i just we, we i don't think that helps um and i i don't think it's clever and so we try to avoid it if if at all possible um and it's not really about a safe space. It's more hopefully about a smart space. 
Interesting. Yeah. So on that on that on that note, um, obviously you hold your own opinions. Have you had any of your opinions changed during um, one of one of your debates? Yeah, I um, love going to an event. And the way we do it for our debates, our classic debates, is we pull everyone as they're walking in. The ushers ask them the question: "Are you, know, you for or against the motion?" And then after an hour or so, in the you know, in about sort of two thirds of the way, three quarters of the way through the debate, we send around actual ballot boxes and people vote yes, you know, for or against the motion again. And then so that the the chair kind of exposes that this is the this is the original vote, which we know earlier on, and the, the swing has been to the this side or to that side. And it says you really feel engaged in it. And I personally love it when I Obviously, I don't voice my opinions, but I know what they are, um, and I'm surprised. And I'm persuaded by the the rhetoric and the speeches and the the, the you know, incredibly um, brilliant speakers that we have who who dislodge me from my set opinions. And that that's really refreshing and fun. And I'm like, I don't want to think. I don't want to think the same thing for you know rest of my life. It, it would be very dull. It's, 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 there's two points. It's, it's a really good thing to be reminded that you're not always correct. And also, it's, I think it's increasingly rare nowadays to view opinions or to engage with opinions that are different to yours. I mean, you know, we've got uh, echo chambers, for example, that are increasingly affecting um, general conversations. Absolutely. We had an event recently, and I absolutely cannot remember off the top of my head what it was, that I, I remembered it so fondly because we have we have three columns in the in the sort of results it's like four against and then there's undecided and it was the first time in anyone's memory that the undecided column went up at the end of the the vote and and that to me was like kind of like a brilliant debate because both sides were so persuasive that people still couldn't really make up their minds which way they felt. Would you host a second event from that? Have you had follow-up debates when something's been particularly interesting or particularly fraught? We need a rematch, you mean. <laughs> um, exactly. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I mean, we do come back to themes. Look, Brexit, Trump, you know, um, Israeli-Palestinian conflict. There, there are some things that will, um, will be re-examined that we don't do them the same way. Uh, but but there are some big topics that need to be talked about again. And, and we see debate as a, a sort of a unifying human, um, not necessarily condition, but something that we all can agree on and all can participate in. But do you see differences in um, the subsidiaries across the world and how audiences interact, engage, participate? You said that British people in particular quite like to uh, voice their own opinions, but w- w- what are the other differences across the world? I think I think the 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 animus is is, is the same. It's like people want to speak and to be heard. I, I don't think that varies enormously um, in our in our other territories. I think that um, it's refreshing for people. They just kind of like I say, it feels like it's not homework. It feels like a release. You know, it's like thank you. I can actually not look at my phone for an hour and a half and I can focus on, you know, really engaging, entertaining, important, you know, nourishing things. I, I don't, I don't, I just don't think that particularly changes wherever you are. Mm, sure. And is there a 
topic right now that's caught your attention, which you just know Intelligence Squared has to, uh, you know, showcase soon? Yeah, I mean, we, there's one that we've got coming up, and um, we are have called it Mark Zuckerberg on trial. Facebook is uh, destroying society, and um, and obviously every day Facebook is in the news, and um, yeah, I'm 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 excited by that one. I think that you know there are more human beings on Facebook than there are in any other country or religion and um and so it's the most extraordinarily powerful and important community and, and company and it, it is so under fire right now that you know even though it's um doing incredibly well people are even questioning whether it's going to be around and that was in the future and that that's that feels like a really um it's one of these huge issues that has tentacles into pretty much every other part of Every other thing we do, of course. Well, it's it's, it's not only it's not only um, you know putting Facebook in the dock, but it's actually putting uh, tech companies in the dock about how much power we give them. Who have you um, got to uh, as the for and against for that particular debate, and how did you go about choosing them? Um, we have Damien Collins MP. We have uh, Carol Cad- Carol Cadwallader from the Observer, the journalist who uncovered the Cambridge Analytica. Um, uh, scandal. Um, and I will have to get back to you on the other two totally. No, absolutely. I'm thing. sure people can, uh, um, research it themselves as well. No, I thought fascinating. I mean, it is interesting because an important part of the debate, as we've already established, are the people who <laughs> debate. Um, funnily enough, um, how dare I ask what your current position is before the debate starts? Mine? No, you, you can ask. So <laughs> I'm an uh, uh, opinion-free. Oh, yeah, yeah, interesting, say. interesting. Okay, well, Matt, I think um, that covers everything that we needed to cover today. Apart from, again, I ask this of every um, person who comes onto the podcast, um, do you have anybody who you think I should chat to in the future Um about this topic, um, about any other topic that's you know you're close to your heart or passionate about, um, and invite them onto the show. I do. Um, my friend Greg Williams is the editor in chief of Wired UK magazine, and um, he's an outstanding editor with um, you know deep insight into the worlds of technology, science, and society. So I highly recommend that you drop him a line. I will do. And thank you very much for joining me and for taking the time to answer my questions. And uh, I will look forward to that Facebook uh, Facebook debate. My pleasure. It's been been great to be on the podcast. Next week, I'll be speaking with Paul Van Ziel, co-founder of The Conduit Club, London's new members club with a difference. All its members have to prove they're committed to finding solutions to some of the world's most pressing social and environmental issues today. With Paul, we have an opportunity to peer inside an exclusive business community with a conscience. I'm looking forward to you joining me.